Welcome to Season 3 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 22 is entitled, What is Man? If you follow these podcasts, you will discover that there is one subject I return to again and again, and the subject is, What is Man? The title is inspired by King David. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet the sheep and the oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Psalms 8, 3-9 The Apostle Paul also loved the words of David as he explains the above scripture. But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownedest him with glory and honor, and didst set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Hebrew 2, 6-9 The inimitable Paul expands the meaning of the scripture, giving us greater insight both into the nature of the mission of Christ, the only begotten Son of God, and the nature of mankind. For it became him for whom all things, and by whom all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren, In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. And again I will put my trust in him, and again behold I and the children which God hath given me. Forasmuch then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil and delivered them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people, For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. Hebrew 2, 10-18 In the phrases, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, 
Paul teaches us that Christ is creator of heaven, earth, and man. Yet he descended below the angels, took upon himself the seed of Abraham, and tasted death for every man. In addition, Christ brings many sons into glory. Many sons refers to those who believe in Christ and follow him. Paul calls Christ the captain of their salvation and informs us that Christ became perfect through sufferings. And then, in one of the most splendid scriptures, Paul declares, For both he that sanctified and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Then Paul explains how Christ did it. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. If you return to the words of King David, notice in the economy of language, he too teaches the same doctrine, that we are made perfect through Christ. Notice again his question. What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? King David is looking into the nature of man. What is man refers to mankind. The son of man refers to Christ. David is asking, who is man? And he is asking, who is Christ? David, along with Paul, answers both questions. Such rhetorical completeness is often used in the parallelism of Scripture, where a question is both asked and then answered. Paul informs us that because of Christ, we are all one. For both he that sanctifieth and they that are sanctified are all one. And of course, if you go back to the book of Genesis, you will discover that that was the intent of God from the beginning, to help us to become like Christ. And in order to do that, Christ had to first become like us. We were once angels ourselves in heaven, and by coming to earth, we also descended below the angels. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Genesis 1, 26-27 Christ, on the other hand, was God in heaven, and by coming to earth he also descended below the angels. His descent, of course, was greater than ours. In our quest, it is essential that we know who we are. By understanding where we came from, we gain an understanding of whom we are. By understanding Christ's relationship to us, we gain an understanding of whom we may become. We cannot know who we are until we know who we were. We must answer the three great questions. Where did we come from? Why are we here? And where are we going? The scientific community today tells us that we came from nothing and that we will return to nothing. We were created by accident and we will be consumed by a giant heat death or encased in a deep freeze. In William Shakespeare's play, Measure for Measure, Claudio is sentenced to imminent death for committing adultery. His sister, who has entirely committed her life to God, visits him in prison. Claudio, who is sentenced to die the next day, is in despair. Aye, but to die and go we know not where, to lie in cold obstruction and to rot. 
this sensible warm motion to become a kneaded clod, and the delighted spirit to bathe in fiery floods, or to reside in thrilly regions of thick ribbed ice. To be imprisoned in the viewless winds, and blown with restless violence round about the pendant world, or to be worse than worst of all that lawless and incertain thought imagine howling, tis too horrible. The weariest and most loath worldly life that age, ache, penury, and imprisonment can lay on nature is a paradise to what we fear of death. Job, who is always equated with suffering, asks the same question as David. What is man that thou shouldest magnify him, that thou shouldest set thine heart upon him, and that thou shouldest visit him every morning and try him every moment? How long wilt thou not depart from me, nor let me alone till I swallow down my spittle? I have sinned. What shall I do unto thee, O thou preserver of men? Why hast thou set me as a mark against thee, so that I am a burden to myself? And why dost thou not pardon my transgression, and take away mine iniquity? For now shall I sleep in the dust, and thou shalt seek me in the morning, but I shall not be. Job seven seventeen through 21 The last words are haunting. For now shall I sleep in the dust, and thou shalt seek me in the morning, but I shall not be. One of the beauties of the scriptures is that the old prophets speak to us in our extremities. If there is a word that describes the feelings above expressed by Job, it is despair, total despair. I am reminded of Prince Hamlet, who feeds his growing despair over his father's untimely death. Speaking to his false friends, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, Hamlet laments, I have of late, but wherefore I know not, lost all my mirth, foregone all custom of exercises, and indeed it goes so heavily with my disposition that this godly frame, the earth, seems to me a sterile promotory. This most excellent canopy, the air, look you, this brave overhanging firmament, this majestical roof fettered with gold fire, why, it appears no other thing to me than foul and pestilent congregation of vapors. What a piece of work is man, how noble in reason, how infinite in faculty, in form and moving, how express and admirable. In action, how like an angel. In apprehension, how like a god. The beauty of the world, the paragon of animals. And yet to me, what is this quintessence of dust? Man delights me not. Hamlet's despair leads to tragedy. However, in Job's despair, he is now teachable. One needs to read the entire story of Job. The Lord teaches Job a great lesson one of the greatest we can all learn. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I demand of thee, and answer thou me. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measure thereof, if thou knowest, or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened, or who laid the cornerstone thereof, when the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy? 
or who shut up the sea with doors when it break forth, as if it had issued out of the womb. When I made the cloud the garment thereof, and thick darkness a swaddling band for it, and break up for it my decreed place, and set bars and doors, and said, Hitherto shalt thou come, but no further, and here shall thy proud waves be stayed. Job 38, 1-11 Earlier, in despair, Job laments that everything ends with death, that in the morning even God won't be able to find him, because he will no longer exist. Above, God chastises Job, asking him, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man. He asks Job, Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. The Lord teaches Job that he, along with all the descendants of Adam and Eve, are sons and daughters of God. Before earth was even created, we were compared to the morning stars. That is not an accidental image. What is our perception of stars? We are more akin to the poets than we are to the scientists. We do not look at stars as burning gases. We look up at the stars of our Milky Way at night as various degrees of light and glory, of brightness and beauty, of majesty and mystery. The implication is that in heaven we also once shone like the stars. On earth we have lost that luster. We are lower than the angels that we once were. The Apostle Paul equates heaven with the brightness of the sun, moon, and stars. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. 1 Corinthians 15, 40-42 Who can resist quoting Wordsworth, the poet who led the Romantic movement in England? The following is from his poem, Ode, Intimations of Immortality. There was a time when meadow, grove, and stream, the earth, and every common sight, to me did seem appareled in celestial light the glory and the freshness of a dream. It is not now as it hath been of yore, turn wheresoe'er I may, by night or day, the things which I have seen I now can see no more. Our birth is but a sleep and a forgetting, the soul that rises with us, our life's star, hath had elsewhere its setting, and cometh from afar, not in entire forgetfulness, and not in utter nakedness, but trailing clouds of glory do we come from God, who is our home. Heaven lies about us in our infancy, shades of the prison house begin to close upon the growing boy, but he beholds the light, and whence it flows, he sees it in his joy. The youth, who daily farther from the east must travel, still is nature's priest, and by the vision splendid is on his way attended. At length the man perceives it die away, and fade into the light of common day. Lucifer himself, which means the shining one, before his rebellion was called a son of the morning. His fall is compared to a fallen star, Isaiah said. 
How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? Isaiah fourteen twelve. The Savior said, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. The Apostle Peter refers to the divine nature of man. According to his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Second Peter 1, 3-4 Peter speaks of us being called to glory and virtue, of having exceeding great and precious promises, and of becoming partakers of the divine nature. Our position on earth is a rather strange one. We are fastened by gravity to a rocky planet that is captured in the orbit of a star, in what scientists call an accidental universe. According to scientists, our solar system is billions of years old and will continue its redundant behavior many billions more until the sun runs out of energy. That perhaps is not the most cheerful image. We divide tedious time into seconds, minutes, hours, days, months, and years, but that is all artificial, a consequence of gravity. Time is given an arrow only because of death, what scientists call entropy. From the scientific view, everything is moving from order to disorder, and death is the final end of everything. Modern science relates with Job when he said in despair, For now shall I sleep in the dust, and thou shalt seek me in the morning, but I shall not be. Many in our wandering world have adopted the philosophy of science, a world without meaning or purpose. Some have decided to eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Christ warned against such a philosophy in a parable. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. Luke twelve sixteen through 21 So, how would you answer the question, what is man? I rather think that Wordsworth got it right. The soul that rises with us, our life's star, hath had elsewhere its setting, and cometh from afar. A comet travels through space, much like any other celestial body caught in the gravitational pull of the sun, learning nothing. But we aren't comets. We are temporary residents immortal intelligences on a celestial journey that lasts forever. We are children of God, who once lived in heaven in the presence of God. We were once angels compared in glory to the stars. Speaking of Christ, John the Revelator tells us, I am the root and the offspring of David, and the bright and morning star. 
Revelation 22:16. Of all the links in our journey, life on mortal earth is the shortest. Yet earth is the hinge upon which eternity swings. For what we do here determines how we spend eternity. In the final chapter of the book of Revelation, John sums it up beautifully. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads, and there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign for ever and ever. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angels to show unto his servant the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he that is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. I give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth come. Come, and let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Revelation 22, 1-21 I suppose there should be a summing up to the question of what is man. Though we may not know the origin, we are perhaps all familiar with the phrase, Stranger in a strange land. It actually comes from the book of Exodus in the Old Testament. And Moses was content to dwell with the man, and he gave Moses Zipporah his daughter, and she bare him a son and called his name Jershom, for he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. And it came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. Exodus two twenty one through 25 We are all strangers in a strange land. 
And like the children of Israel, God has respect unto us, and he wants us to leave Egypt and return to the promised land. When we left heaven and came to earth, a veil was drawn over our minds, causing us to forget our former home. But when we return and the veil is lifted, we will find life on earth was more like a dream, and we will feel perfectly at home in eternity. We came from eternity, and we will return to eternity, where, as Paul said, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Ephesians 2.19 We are all of the household of God, for we are all brothers and sisters, children of God. And in the final words of John the Revelator, Christ invites us to come back home. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is athirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast. In Defense of Christianity is available at RonaldMesser.com.